0: Come on, let's celebrate the goodness of God. Come on, we can do better. Come on for Jesus. Man, I'm, I'm home. Uh, this is home for me, and uh, I absolutely love your pastor. Um, and. Uh, it doesn't take much for me to get emotional. My family knows that. Um, so he had me at hello. You know what I'm saying? Um, but can we just give it up for your pastor, Pastor Derek and Stacy? Come on, can we just love on them? They're such amazing people. You, um, you go through so much in this race called ministry. And... Um, then God gives you a kiss from heaven, and he sends you a friend, a big brother, an uncle, and um, he's post-pandemic, he's been such a, probably one of the highlights of, of my life, and my wife's life, and our kids, he's been such a blessing, and um, we love him so much, he's the real deal, and you guys are so blessed. I hope you know how blessed you are to have this family and uh, this pastor lead you. Amen. So I honor you. I love you. I celebrate you. And, um, I also want to congratulate him because he's uh, he's coming off celebrating a wedding. Come on, somebody, you know. And uh, I'm I'm a couple months away from that. Not even I don't know. My daughter has the count. I think it's seven weeks. Is it seven weeks, Alyssa? Seven weeks away from uh, giving my daughter off in marriage. And uh, Candy and I started very very young. We've been married 22 years. We met at daycare. Um, um, <laughs> uh, and our baby our baby is getting married uh, first weekend of December. So pray for me, Amen. She's going away on a honeymoon. I'm I'm taking a sabbatical. I'm taking a prayer. I'm going to counseling. Come on, somebody. Um, but I'm I'm really I'm really excited about that. I want to I want to burden your prayers uh, for those of you that that pray when you think about us. If you do, um, pray for our church. Uh, we're in the middle of a building project, releasing a book, um, a, a wedding. You know, uh, but but other than that, we have nothing going on, um, and it's all happening uh, in the next several months. So pre- please pray for us. We, uh, hopefully, Lord willing, first weekend of March, we will be in our brand new facility in Springfield, Massachusetts. So you've got a you've got a you've got a church. Whenever you're in town, um, come check us out. We'll make you you'll feel like you're you're in Connect Church because this is man we're we're in the same team. So. Um, I love what the Lord is doing here and today I want to pray um, I have a I have a word that I've been wrestling with uh, all the last couple of weeks uh, but I do feel that it's a it's a word for this house um, so I'm excited about that so just right where you are let us pray father we take this moment we acknowledge you your goodness your kindness towards us I pray God that we would be fast to hear you uh, we would not just be hearers of your word, but that we would be doers of your word. Lord, I declare that we are good ground to receive the seed of the kingdom, that the evil one will not take this seed, but that we would take it and respond accordingly. Lord, I pray that you would use me, use me with great passion, use me, God, that it would be clear, Uh, Lord, just as you whispered it to me, that you would deliver it to the hearts of every hearer that is here today. Holy Spirit, reveal your Son, and we give you all the honor and all the glory, for you are worthy of our praise, and we declare this to be so. In the matchless name of Jesus Christ, and everybody say, amen Amen and amen. Y'all ready to hear the word of God today? Man, receive greetings from RWC uh, in Springfield, Massachusetts. Um, Today, I get a chance to kind of pour into another tribe, amen, into into what God is doing here in this local body. We are in covenant relationship, so it's excited. I'm excited to, to see all that the Lord is doing. I said in the first service that I get to kind of pulse what God is saying to this church because on Sunday I don't receive. On Sunday I'm preaching. But on Monday when I'm home and I'm I'm in my in my just kind of in the grind of starting my week. I I turn on YouTube and I see what God is doing in Connect Church and listen to Pastor Derek and receive the word of God. So I know that God is speaking to this house. I want to speak over the next several minutes on this theme, the thriving church, the thriving church. Now, I absolutely love the church. I love the church. How many people love the church? Amen. Listen, I was brought up in the faith. This is all that I know. And, you know, the church for me represents so much. It's the, the place where I met my wife, where I first uh, recognized, look at that girl, who, who she is, who she is. And, and she would play basketball. She was different. But it's where I first met my wife. Uh, it's where I first got into a fight. That's right. You know you're a church kid when you get in a fist fight in the basement of the church. Come on, somebody. That's right. I won, by the way. I won because the devil is defeated. <laughs> but it's, it's, for me, everything, every meaningful experience, memory, and relationship that I have centers around the church. Now, as a church planter, the journey has been a constant. It's been a constant of believing God for the things that I have read in the scriptures, That we not only pursue God, but that God pursues us. That the church, it's not just an organization. The church is the most powerful, the most powerful group on God's earth. The church. There is no plan B, there's only one plan, and that plan is the church. It's not a building. It's not a denomination, it's not a social club, we want you to find relationship, we want you to be in community, but the church, it's not a social club. The church is a body of believers. Now let me give you a quick definition when I think about the potential of the church. For me, the church is the atmosphere where hope is restored love is expressed purpose is birth amen. and joy is experienced. Yes, right. i'm talking about the church y'all how many people excited about the church how many people excited about what god is doing in this church amen. amen and if there's a story in the scriptures that highlights the the potential of the church is this conversation that takes place between jesus and his disciples If you go with me and turn to the gospel of Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, the Bible says now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Others say that you are Elijah and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Of course, Simon Peter, right, the impulsive Simon. How many impulsive people do we have here today? Come on, be set free. That's me right there. I'll put both my hands up, both my legs, if I can levitate, because that's me. You shoot first and ask questions later. Come on, somebody. You've got the end to every sentence. Come on, somebody. Simon Peter, Mr. Impulsive himself, lifts up, and he says, well... I got an answer. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Petros, the Greek word for his name, Peter. You are Peter, you are Peter. And on this rock, Upon your revelation, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not, cannot prevail against it. Come on, somebody. Let's celebrate the power and the potential of the church. Right? But, but there's, it's, there's, there's a lot of meat in that bone. There's a lot of meat in the, in the conversation that takes place between Jesus and his disciples. Some, when he asked them, who do people say that I am? I want us to to, to really consider the answers. The first answer that he's given is, well, some say that you are John the Baptist. In other words, you're the one that is opening the way for something else. Some say that you are Elijah. That you are the fulfillment of the prophecy of the book of Malachi. Some say that you are Jeremiah. In other words, Jesus, you are the bearer of bad news. Within the answer that he receives, there is so much depth. And then others say that you're just another prophet. In other words, you're just another messenger among a long line of prophets that have existed. That's what some are saying. But then Peter, he nails it. Yeah, he does. He says, You're the one. You're not just one of many. You are the one. You are the Christ. You are the anointed one. You are Messiah. You are the one that Isaiah spoke about in Isaiah chapter 7, when it says that one shall be named Emmanuel, God among us. You are the sacrifice lamb of Passover. Jesus, Jesus is hearing from Peter this declaration that that highlights that, that he was. What he knew he was, and someone can acknowledge that he was who he said he was. Peter's statement is loaded Jesus, you're the one. You're the second Adam that redeems what the first Adam jacked up. You're the one. And upon that decoration, Peter, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to do something powerful in this world, and I'm going to do it with the church. And I don't care what rises against the church. I don't care if hell itself rises against the church. It will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Notice that what Jesus is talking about is a powerful church. He's talking about a thriving church. He's talking about a vibrant church. When I study the book of Acts of the Apostles, often the early church, that's the title that it's given. And it could be, it could be perceived almost as a negative connotation. This is the early church. Almost sounds like they weren't, that, they weren't experts at doing this thing. Because really they weren't. They weren't. Yet the early church had it figured out. The dead would rise. The blind could see. The lame would walk and thousands were added. Yep. I'm, talking about, I'm talking about the church. Yep, yep. I want to speak today about the six distinctives of a thriving church. Come on, I believe that this is prophetic. I believe that this is a right now word. Yep. Uh, I, I felt troubled with it all week because usually something like this is something that I would be preaching at my church. But God would have me release it. So today I want you to receive it today. The six distinctives of a thriving church. Number one, a thriving church is a knowledgeable church. That's right. Notice that Jesus puts emphasis. Who do you say that I am? I know what other people are, have said, but I, I need to know what is it that you say that I am? In other words, it's, it's almost like Jesus is saying, hey, be aware of people's feelings towards the gospel But make sure that you commit to experiencing the gospel for yourself. Can you imagine being in church but not knowing Jesus? Can you imagine being in church and yet still being lost? Still being enslaved by bondage. Jesus is putting a great emphasis in knowing him not just knowing about him. When we talk about thriving, we're talking about something that is characterized as successful. It is the very picture of something that prospers. It constantly grows. A thriving church knows, knows who Jesus is. Number two, a thriving church maximizes God moments. In other words, they know how to maximize kairos moments it's a greek word that defines an opportune time oftentimes when we maximize a god moment we can go further faster hello somebody when we maximize a god moment what it took somebody else 10 years you can do it in a year When we maximize a God moment, what would take you six years of therapy, the power of God can touch you and whatever bondage and trauma you've had. I'm talking to somebody today. I'm talking about knowing that you are living in a God moment, that God has separated this time, this place, this house, this church, where heaven can invade earth, where something supernatural can happen, not just in Ashland, not just in Framingham, not just in Tri-County, but in all the campuses that God has predestined for this house. We're talking about maximizing the moment. This leads to great acceleration. A thriving church knows that it's God. Beware of being like Jacob. Where he arose from his sleep and did not know that God was in the midst. But I also caution you that even if you miss it, that you would also have the humility of Jacob. To arise and awaken from his slumber and acknowledge, surely God was here and I did not know it. So one side of the coin, we've got to beware that we don't miss it. But the other side of the coin that we would have the humility to acknowledge when we've missed it. So we don't prolong what God wants to do. Yet in the life of Peter, after this great declaration that Jesus was the Christ, he has this little hiccup. His greatest victory was followed by a sign of immaturity because oftentimes, isn't that what happened? hmm Yeah, 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 yeah. Matthew chapter 16, verse 20. Then he, speaking of Jesus, he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. And yet Peter, wanting to play Superman took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from me, Lord, or from you, rather, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. (laughs) For you are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So it's not just good for us to get one God moment, but let us have the sensitivity of spirit that we never miss the moments of God. I want you to hear this. God wants to bring you from glory to glory. God wants to bring you from triumph to triumph. God has a promise. The Lord's prayer reminds us, us, give us today our daily bread. The Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. I can't serve God with a 2010 revelation. There is new manna from heaven. Am I talking to somebody here today? I need you to hear this. Well, back in the 1992 when I used to serve the Lord, yeah, them, them, yeah, worship, Maranatha worship, hallelujah, Trump is in all. That's those are were, those were those were, those were good days, good days right there. No! God has a new revelation. God has fresh manna. God has new experiences for you. New territories for you to conquer. New places for you to explore in the depths of his relationship with you. So be cautious. Be cautious that because of self-preservation, you begin to trust you more than trusting God. Often... What I've learned in my life is that our greatest lessons come with our failures and not our victories. Because your victories would have you believe that you're still cute and that you have it all figured out. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Your victories, they they really hide your blind spots. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's your failures that remind you that you're still growing. That there are things that God wants to do in your life. Number three, number three. A thriving church is full of zeal. Oh, come on, I love that word. It's full of passion. I'm talking about a fire. Gone are the days for you to talk about joy but not send a memo to your face. Come on, somebody. Like, gone are those days. You've got to be a people full of passion. You've got to be a people, a people full of zeal. Romans 12, 11, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to go back, I'm going to back this thing up with scripture. Romans 12, 11. never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. The first love is not a season. The first love is the expectation. The wedding is not the highlight. The wedding is the beginning of what God wants to do in a marriage. Am I talking to somebody today? That's why most people struggle in their relationships. Because you spent $30,000 for your wedding, but you're emotionally broke. You're emotionally empty. You're emotionally still in your trauma. So we make it the pinnacle. That's not the pinnacle, baby. That's just the starting line. Mm, I feel the Lord talking. Somebody say never. That's right, that's right. Never. Never be lacking in zeal. Never in the Greek, in the Hebrew, in the Spanish, and Brasileiro. How many brasileiros do we have here? How many brasileiros do we have here? Never, never in the Hebrew, Greek, Spanish, Brasileiro, Portuguese, never means nuca. Never. The expectation is that the church should never lack in passion. That's right. That we should always have this zeal. Titus chapter 2 verse 14. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. And to purify for himself a people for his own possession. Who are zealous for good works, zealous, this whole hearted desire, it took some zeal for Daniel to stand up against the king who had said, you're not going to pray to your God, that's not what you're going to do, it took some passion for him to say, well, you do what you want to do, but I'm going to continue to pray to my God. I don't care if you got to throw me where you got to throw me. I choose to believe the report of the Lord. That takes some zeal. It took some zeal for Esther to go before the king before her time. That takes zeal. That takes some passion. It took some zeal for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to decide, well, you can do whatever you want to do, but the God that I serve, He can. He can save me from this fiery furnace. Matter of fact, He will save me from this fiery furnace, but even if He doesn't, even if he doesn't i'm still going i'm still not going to bow down to your god that takes passion it takes some passion for a young david from the age of 13 to 17 theologians speculate to go before a giant and say what what you talking about willis you come against me with a javelin but i come against you with the power of the spirit of the lord how dare you threaten God's people that takes some passion it takes some passion for the Apostle Paul to be stoned in Thessalonica and get back up and enter the city again to preach once again I'm talking about some real passion I'm not talking about the type of Christianity that I got a headache and I stopped believing God that he's a healer oh I've got some problems God forgot about me let me tell you God is not a genie that if you rub them the right way you get what you want he is the creator of the universe with or without me he's still God should I continue should I go home thriving church is full of passion full of zeal number four a thriving church meets people where they're at Amen. Amen. And meet them where they're at if, if they don't come we'll go get them We'll go wherever we have to go. The gospel of Luke talks about the parable of the lost sheep. I love this story. And Jesus, ever so eloquent and so intentional about his storytelling, the ultimate storyteller, Jesus. He says in Luke chapter 15, verse 4, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. Church, can I talk to you the way I would say it back home? We've got to resist the urge of making church about us. We've got to make church about the lost. Now, let me, let me just tell you a little backstory. story. When my... When my daughter was about four, we went kayaking for the very first time and the last time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So there's this couple from our home church and, hey, man, we, we should go out. We should go kayaking. I'm like, well, I don't have the most balance, but sure. So we go. Sure enough, I flipped in the thing. I was stuck inside. I'm not afraid of water, but I'm underneath it to say, get your pudgy little butt out of this little boat before you die in here. So I got myself out. And then we started talking. The two couples started talking. And without me knowing, without any knowledge, my daughter, at the age of like no more than four years old, got in the little kayak and started going across the river. No life jacket, no nothing. Let me tell you what I wanted to do because I'm Puerto Rican, so I'm hot. You know what I'm saying? Like I live at about 120 degrees. <laughs> I wanted to scream. I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to, to swim. I, I wanted to do everything in my power to get to her. Now, let me tell you what I didn't do. I didn't do this. Well, if I lose one, I still have one. Not bad. (laughs) 50-50. Matter of fact, at that moment, I wasn't even thinking about Isaiah. All I kept on thinking about was that the one was lost. He, He coached her. He spoke to her. The other man, Hector, God bless him. He went to be with the Lord. And he helped her and her by herself with all the little confidence, she came all the way home. She got caught up in some brush, pushed away from it, came back around like nothing. Like, what, Dad, what's the big deal? She's been saying, Dad, what's the big deal for the last 20 years? A thriving church meets people where they're at. Now, you may ask, what compels us to do it? I love what what Wendy read because it's in my notes. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. The Bible says that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. It is compassion. Compassion is what compels us. I like to call compassion divine pain. Somebody say divine pain. pain. That's right. It's, It's that pain... That leads us to action. It's it's when the pain goes beyond the head and it gets to your heart. Yes, yes. It's what keeps you up at night. Yes, yes, yes. It's what wakes you up in the morning. Yep, yep, yep. I ask you today. I ask you today, what is your pain? What is it? What is it that breaks your heart? What is it that has caused you righteous indignation? Is it children? Is it children? is it children that are neglected and abused is it, is it those that are bound bound by the chains of addiction is it, is it those people is it those that are held hostage and trapped under the grip and the prison of pornography is that what it is is that what is that what breaks your heart is it homelessness is it seeing the broken is it is it, is, it, is it kids that are trafficked? Thousands of kids that every year are trafficked, including in our country. Is that what breaks your heart? Is it those that are impoverished? Is it looking at third world countries like your church and my church are a part of? Is, it, is that what breaks your heart? Kids that will die a premature death simply because they don't have drinking water. Is that what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? What is it that causes divine pain? What is it? Is it that you feel called to speak to those that are unborn? To give a voice to the voiceless? To the millions of children that are aborted every year? Is that what breaks your heart? Well, let me, let me bring you into my divine pain. I told you and I started this by telling you how much I love the church. I grew up in the church. This is all I know. I don't know what it is to be in a nightclub. All my parties, I've had them here. I I started dating Candy in daycare, like I said. She was my first girlfriend. We've been married for 22 years. This is all I know. And I remember growing up, In a time where young people, this is what they said about young people. Young people don't love the Lord. This is what I heard growing up. What I heard growing up was this idea that young people are rebellious. What caused my righteous indignation was that people that didn't look the part were turned away from church. That was my experience. I remember I was about 12 years old, and back in the 90s, come on baby, you you were born in the 80s, you lived in the 90s, you lived in the most beautiful era. Y'all young people don't know. That's why y'all bringing back throwback sneakers, from where, from where? Thank you very much, you're welcome. Gets me so annoyed. Y'all don't got no boy bands. Yeah, you I mean, even you listen to the rappers, what they, what are you saying? But I remember, I remember that when I was growing up, Hugo Boss was it. And I remember, I remember there were like colored jeans. They were selling jeans in all different types of colors. And my mom had gotten me these like raspberry, burgundy looking jeans. Don't judge me. Don't (laughs) judge me. And I remember, that, I remember that I had this whole out, uh, ensemble. I had a whole outfit. It was this raspberry red looking jeans with this cream colored shirt. And then I had me a vest. And the vest was like little blue, a lot of that red. And I thought I was like the coolest kid. Because some of you just roll out of bed looking cute. Some of us have to work for it. And I walked into the church. I walked into the church mad excited right and my pastor stopped me and said you're not coming in here like that <laughs> I wish I could tell you this is a made-up story I remember I put my head down my dad drove me back to my house I remember crying in the car and throughout all the years of my adolescence, this is what it provoked I remember thinking what if there was a church what if there was a church where all ethnic groups can converge and lift up the name of Jesus what if there was a church where young people didn't just come but they played an active role in the vibrancy of the church what if there was a church what if there was a church like that little did I know I know that on Mother's Day of 2008 I would be in a church preaching and after I was done a woman came and said thus saith the Lord before the month of February God is bringing people from the north from the south from the west and from the east and what God is getting ready to do through you and through your family is gonna bring forth change I never thought that I would be a pastor never in my wildest dreams people tell me you thought when do you know you were gonna be a pastor I tell them never you got to be a sociopath to want to be a pastor <laughs> what if there was a church what if i told you that the burden that you bear will often reveal the difference that you will make what if i told you that that divine pain that you are feeling should be and ought to be the evidence that god wants to lift you up if it's children maybe you ought to start in the children's ministry if you feel compelled to work with youth maybe just maybe you ought to start with the youth the 508 of this house a thriving church sacrifices with a smile boy are there sacrifices verse 5 tells us right there in Luke chapter 15 and when he has found it when he found the lost sheep he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing he celebrates yes there is a sacrifice Y'all know? Now, y'all are blessed because you guys are not in a portable campus. But it's a sacrifice. When you're in the middle of planning for Christmas and multiple services and multiple campuses. It's a sacrifice. I want to speak to the leadership of this church. It's worth the sacrifice. It's worth the sacrifice. It's worth getting up and showing up to church in the wee hours of the morning and being the last person that's out. It's worth it. Don't you ever let the devil whisper to your ear and tell you it's not worth it. Why do you do it? It is worth it. I want to encourage the staff of the church. Yeah, I know that your job is ever-changing. You wear multiple hats. That's ministry. But, but, But know that everything we do, God says... Would you just lay it on your shoulder, but don't forget to put a smile on. Verse 6, and when he comes home, when he comes home, when he comes home, when he comes comes to Connect Church, when you have found the lost sheep and you come home, he calls together his small group. He calls his friends. He, He calls his neighbors, and he says to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Evangelism is not a Lone Ranger sport. This is teamwork. And when one gets saved, we all celebrate. I pray that we would never become complacent about the greatest of all miracles, which will always be salvation. Yes, God heals the sick. But eventually, we're going to die. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world less? Lose his soul. It is the greatest of all miracles. And number six, a thriving church, write this down, is a picture of the kingdom of heaven. Right there, verse seven, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. So what is the church? The church, I want to end this the way I started it. It's a place where hope is restored. Love is expressed. Purpose is birth. And joy is experience. Now I feel so at home In this house, that I want to end the way that I end every one of my sermons back home. That is with a Monday application. Because everybody can slay a giant on a Sunday. We even got church clothes. Right, we got church clothes and ratchet clothes. That that little corner in the closet, that's my ratchet clothes in case I backslid. Y'all laughing. Just in case I back said, mmm, them tight," mmm. But I want to give you a Monday application. You ready? How do we apply all this? How do we become a thriving church? How do we become a thriving people? How, how do I, how do I, how do I get to know God more? How, how do I live my life where I learn how to discern and maximize every moment? How do I, how do I how do I become a person that is full of zeal never lacking in zeal how do I meet people where they're at how do I sacrifice with a smile how do I represent the kingdom of heaven let me give you three instructions number one number one remember why you do it every once in a while you've got to just sit back staff dream teamers and you have to remember why you do it if you lose your why you will lose your way you will start fussing and complaining and start doing that you'll do the task but you'll do it with attitude you know what i'm saying like you can you can move a church with you can move a chair with a lot of grace and you can move a chair with a poor attitude So you got to remember why you do it. What else, Pastor, you like? Number two, how do I apply all this, Pastor? Remember who it's for. Remember that every one of us are before an audience of one. Remember. Remember who it's for. Remember what God did in your life. Remember how far he's brought you. And lastly... Number three, remember what it's all about. It's all about. What is it all about? It's about seeing lost people saved. Seeing them transformed by the power of God. Empowered. What is your pain? What is it that keeps you up at night? Today, I believe God wants to do something amazing. But it all starts with, who do we do it for? It's Jesus. It's all about him. Would you stand up to your feet in this most powerful moment? Every eye closed, every head bowed. Lord, we exalt your name. worthy is your name jesus you deserve the praise worthy is your name worthy is your name jesus you deserve the praise worthy is your name Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. You know, we're going to continue singing, but if you're in this room, don't know Jesus or maybe you knew Jesus but something happened I don't know what happened I don't know if you had an experience in church like I did that scarred me and I had to and I had to surrender and I had to forgive some people (laughs) but if you're here today and you say pastor I've been far from God I feel that there is this divine pain like you're saying that there's there's God is just speaking to me. He's talking to me about significance and about doing something that is meaningful. If you're here today and you are you say pastor that's me. I desperately need Jesus. I want to know him. I want to have a relationship with him. Right where you are, today you are before an audience of one with every eye closed and every head bowed. If you're in this place and you say pastor, I need Jesus. I've done it on my own. It doesn't work. I need Jesus. At the count of three, I want you to lift up your right hand where you are. One, two, three. Lift it up. Is there somebody that says, I need Jesus? God bless you. 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 Come on, church. Let's get excited about that. Oh, hallelujah. Now, can we do something? Can we all lift up our hands with them? Every hand lifted up, every eye closed. The reason that we're all lifting up our hands is because from this moment on, we want you to know that you will never be alone in this walk ever again. God brought you to a family. God brought you to a house of connection. So we're all lifting up our hands and we're going to say this loud and loud and proud. I want you to repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I know that I've done some wrongs. I also know that you laid your life down on the cross of Calvary for my sins. So today, I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died for me, and on the third day, he resurrected to give me life. So today, time I want you to find one of the volunteers in the lobby after the service is over we want to help you we want to show you what your next steps are but can I tell you something I want to challenge you to give God a year of your life you've heard this before in this house give God a year of your life and I promise you that God is gonna change you he's gonna do it from the inside out some of you want to cry you need to cry just cry as we lift up the name of Jesus but don't leave today Without connecting to somebody from this house. Are y'all ready to celebrate the goodness of God? Come on.